So let's talk about the ex utero intrapartum treatment or the exit procedure. In this episode, we're going to learn about the intricacies of the exit procedure that doctors perform while the baby is partially born and still in the mother's womb. We will also learn about the role each medical expert plays in making sure the procedure runs smoothly for both mom and baby. This is Pediatric Insights, Advances and Innovations with Children's Health, where we explore the latest in pediatric care and research. I'm Bill Klaproth. With me is Dr. David Schindel, a pediatric surgeon at Children's Health and associate professor at UT Southwestern, and Dr. Sushmita Yalapragada, a neonatologist and medical director of the Fetal Center at Children's Health and assistant professor at UT Southwestern. Dr. Schindel and Dr. Yalapragada, thank you for your time. Dr. Schindel, let's start with you. Why do you wait until just before birth for the exit procedure? So these babies are babies that have been identified as having a lesion typically in the head and neck or chest region that might or is very likely to uh, impact their airway upon birth. And in the time of modern imaging, the ability to identify these babies who are at risk of losing their airway at birth obviously gives us an opportunity to intervene. And so what you're trying to do is is you're trying to let the baby mature to the extent fully possible within the uterus, but then be prepared to deliver them in a controlled fashion at a time when their lungs are mature enough to be able to oxygenate their blood appropriately. So typically the goal is to get around 34 to 36 weeks gestation before you consider an exit procedure. Dr. Schindel, let me stay with you. Can you explain to us how the exit procedure works? So basically it takes advantage of the most efficient oxygenating machine ever invented, and that's the human placenta. The placenta obviously delivers uh, oxygenated blood to the baby, transporting oxygen across the placenta from mother to baby. And uh, we basically take advantage of that utero placental circulation so that as the uh, placenta is delivering oxygenated blood to the baby, we control the um, natural response of the uterus, which is to contract. And uh, for the placenta to separate from the uterus itself, we inhibit that process. And uh, by maintaining uh, placental uh, uterine volume and as well as use of tocolytics to prevent separation. And then while the baby's receiving oxygenated blood through the placenta, we then work to establish an uh, appropriate airway for the baby so that we can then, once we have an airway, and that might be either through simply placing an endotracheal tube, it might be performing a tracheostomy, it might be performing a resection of a mass if we cannot actually obtain access to the trachea, I've done a thoracotomy, uh, which is an incision on the chest to remove a chest mass uh, during an exit. But the goal is to establish an airway, to establish a viable uh, route of delivering oxygen to the baby. And then once that happens, we can then disrupt the placental circulation in the normal fashion by dividing the umbilical cord. And then at that point, uh, the maternal fetal medicine specialist take care of mom and the neonatologist take care of the baby. 
Right. So you oxygenate the baby through the placenta until after the procedure is performed. So Dr. Yala Pragada, I'm going to bring you in. So Dr. Schindel just said that an exit procedure is generally performed when there's a mass that has impacted a baby's airway. Can you talk about the other pathologies that would require an exit procedure? Sure. So the exit procedure can really be divided into three major categories, and there are multiple pathologies within those categories that we can go through, but I'll kind of hit the highlights. So an exit to airway is the first category. So an exit procedure to help a baby with airway stabilization. So as Dr. Schindel talked about, babies with a cervical teratoma or lymphangioma, which is a type of tumor that might be blocking their trachea, compressing it, deviating it, making it difficult for the baby to oxygenate and ventilate after birth. Uh, Another example would be congenital high airway obstruction syndrome, micronathia, and a variety of different types of chest masses. A second category would be exit to ECMO or extracorporeal membrane oxygenation. There are babies that are born with a specific disease called congenital diaphragmatic hernia, where there is an abnormality in the diaphragm, which then allows the stomach contents and the gut contents to herniate through that that opening and can cause maldevelopment of the lungs. And so many of those babies will require an exit procedure to then go on to ECMO or basically oxygenation support outside of the womb. There are also severe congenital heart defects that fall into that same category of exit to ECMO. A third category would be exit to resection. Um, So Uh, A couple of examples of those might be congenital pulmonary airway malformation uh, or CPAM and secondarily a bronchopulmonary sequestration. And these would be extreme cases. Got it. Dr. Yala Pergata, staying with you, what are the risks then for baby and mom through this procedure? Yeah, we really start this counseling for the family and for mom prenatally. We talk a lot about the risks for the baby and the mom so that there is an expectation set before we even, you know, begin the procedure, we get the team together, et cetera. So uh, most moms, when they deliver babies, they are either delivering a normal vaginal delivery where they have an epidural in, which is really just regional anesthesia, or they deliver via cesarean section where they also have an epidural in and perhaps other adjunctive anesthesia. But Most moms do not require general anesthesia. By that, I mean the mom herself is uh, intubated with a breathing tube and she is put to sleep entirely. And so in the cases of an exit procedure, the mom, because of all the reasons that Dr. Schindel explained earlier, the mom does have to go under general anesthesia. Um, And we have to control the uterus, the contractions, and the relaxation of the uterus ourselves which does put the mom at higher risk because she will be under general anesthesia. Now, the baby, the fetus, might feel some of that general anesthesia and might be a little bit slower to respond as far as breathing on his his or her own or bringing up the heart rate or being as active. In addition, because of the type of anesthesia we have to give the mom, there is a higher risk that mom will bleed excessively or hemorrhage. And so that is a big risk for mom as well. 
far as the baby, the risk is really, you know, despite all of our efforts to get an airway in or remove the mass or place a tracheostomy, that we may not be able to do those things despite all of our best efforts. And so uh, mortality is, is a risk. So Dr. Schindel, Dr. Yala Pragada just mentioned the team in her last answer. There's a story on the Children's.com website about a baby named Hunter who had the exit procedure performed by you and your team, ultimately saving his life. The story talks about the highly specialized team that you assembled for the exit procedure. First off, can you talk about your role in this team? And then after, I'd like to ask you who else is on generally an exit procedure team. I started the exit team in 2007. Uh, We've done a number of cases since then. They're not uh, highly common. The um, members of the team, for the most part, have been people that I've worked with for a long time who I've known to be excellent at their job as well as uh, have a, a team mentality. This, these sorts of procedures are potentially stressful, and uh, the way that we mitigate that stress, at least amongst the team, is to be well-prepared and to have kind of an understanding and a great working relationship amongst the team members. And so in 2007, the team was created in part because of a, of a baby that was somewhat of a surprise, if you will, in the sense that uh, had a chest mass that was causing some trouble, and uh, the neonatologists and the maternal fetal medicine docs were looking for a way to help the baby. And so this was something that we uh, created at a relatively uh, spur of the moment, if you will. The team is um, multidisciplinary. The uh, current team members, for the most part, the physicians are, for the most part, the same since 2007 with some small variations. The, the nurses, with the exception of one or two, have um, are all relatively new to the team, at least in the last year or so. The main member of the team, besides myself, which is a pediatric surgeon, the main member of the team is uh, a pediatric ears, nose, and throat physician that I've worked with for a number of years named Romaine Johnson. Dr. Johnson is a fantastic pediatric ears, nose, and throat specialist, and and uh, he and I collaborate very closely, not only on the exit team, but in general. And um, basically what we do is to look at these cases on an individual uh, fashion, individual manner, and discuss what, if in fact the airway is at risk, what what we need to do to address it. And fortunately, the the imaging is so the modern imaging is so fantastic that that we really can get a pretty good holographic view in our minds what this what the airway might look like and what we need to do about it. We also have a part of the team is our pediatric anesthesiologist. Again, with the multidisciplinary approach, my view of putting the team together has always been about putting the experts into a room and then let them go to work. Our pediatric anesthesiologists intubate probably up to 100 patients a day in terms of the operating rooms and the radiology rooms, and et cetera. And so they look at pediatric airways on a daily basis. And they're quite expert in um, acquiring airways that are difficult, dealing with complicated issues, 
And so um, Dr. Derek Walsh has been um, our main pediatric anesthesiologist. And then for this last case that we did in October, um, Dr. Eddie Kiss and Dr. Umar Khan also participated in the exit. And again, these gentlemen are uh, deal with pediatric airways every day and uh, uh, trusted colleagues. In the case that we did in October, that baby had a uh, uh, immature teratoma of the neck that was obstructing the airway. And uh, I think two days later, after some fetal imaging, the baby underwent surgery to have that resected. And the anesthesiologist who helped us with the airway at the time of the exit helped participate in putting that baby to sleep 48 hours later. So the continuity of care provided some degree of comfort, if you will, maybe even understanding of the complexity of the airway so that we can then move to the next phase after the exit in a safe fashion. The other people, obviously Patricia Santiago Munoz, and uh, who's the maternal fetal medicine specialist, she's one of our, she's the, the main MFM who helps us with this, and then Dr. Yala Pagada. The unsung heroes of this team is the nursing staff. The nursing staff are absolutely amazing. Again, these ladies and gentlemen, they work with us in the operating room on a daily basis. And so they know us inside and out. They know us. They know the equipment that we like to use. They know they communicate with us in a way that's efficient. And uh, they're just unsung heroes of all this. And I always try to make it a point to, to recognize them. Mary Reese is um, a nurse who's one of the charge nurses in the operating room at Children's, and she uh, uh, has been over the years responsible for ensuring that our equipment is functional, that we have all the equipment that we need, because basically the exit procedure is a combination of multiple procedures that we do on a daily basis, things like intubating, tracheostomies, neck mass resections, chest tube placements, central line placements, thoracotomies. We do these procedures pretty frequently, but the exit is a coordinated effort that combines all these procedures into one procedure. And so that's a whole lot of equipment that needs to be managed, organized, kept functional, and kept at a moment's notice. And Mary Reese has been uh, as extremely valuable in, in making sure that that happens. Literally, if the if a, if, a, if one of these cases was to become uh, a reality, if, if another case was to present itself, Mary's definitely the first person I call. And then there's a whole other group of nurses that help in the, that are either ears, nose, and throat uh, nurses or pediatric surgical nurses. And so, they help us on a daily basis in the operating room, and again, they're the the folks that make sure that the equipment's working, pass the equipment to us, stay organized. They're just phenomenal. And then the ears, nose, and throat nurses that help Romaine Johnson uh, on a daily basis are just fantastic at what they do. The neonatology team is actually involved on a couple of different levels. Not only um, is a neonatologist scrubbed into the procedure to help secure the airway along with anesthesia and ENT, we also then have a neonatal resuscitation team. Our team 
is led by Dr. Myra Wyckoff, and it is a nationally or internationally recognized neonatal resuscitation program. So once the baby is actually separated from mom, uh, the neonatology team takes over, and that team consists of a couple of neonatologists, uh, trainees, four neonatology or neonatology fellows, residents, uh, pediatric residents, um, nurses, neonatal ICU nurses, neonatal ICU respiratory therapists, um, and that all come together to really um, make sure that the baby is doing well post-exit and is safe and secure um, and ready for transfer. Well, thanks for adding that in, Dr. Yala Pragada. So, Dr. Schindel, how do you put a plan together for all of these multiple procedures in a coordinated effort? How do you plan for an exit procedure? Well, I think that uh, it starts with just trying to learn something about the baby. Obviously, not every, we've done an, a number of exits, and, and I can say with great confidence that I don't think any two of them are alike. They have some general similarities, but there's always something subtle. The exit team, the, the, the exit protocol, the exit plan, the surgical strategy, if you will, is basically predicated on the idea of keeping multiple contingencies into play. So uh, what I mean by that is that if you try to maintain, you try to obtain the airway in the simplest way possible, and then if you can't get it that way, then you move on to the next route. And then if you can't get it that way, you move up to the next route. And if you can't get it that way, you keep moving, you keep planning for these these contingencies. Uh, But your goal is to obtain the airway in the simplest fashion. And once you do obtain the airway, the exit is done. Now, for example, the case in October, that baby, we were unable to visualize the airway with just the endotrach, with just the laryngoscope. And we then ultimately did visualize the airway with a bronchoscope and obtained the airway then directly by intubating over the bronchoscope. But the baby's neck mass was mobile enough that we could pull it, if you will, off the airway to the point where the endotracheal tube could be passed beyond it and appropriately ventilate the baby. And at that point, the exit was finished and we gave the baby to Dr. Yala Pragada. The the baby that Hunter that you referred to, that baby's airway so compromised by the mass that we had to resect the mass, make an incision, resect the neck mass, and then do a tracheostomy, intubate the trachea directly in order to even visualize the airway at all. And so each step in the exit is a a preparation of uh, uh, preparing for all multiple contingencies. So the accuracy of the imaging is super important. It helps us prepare just like a coach might prepare a football game uh, having viewed the film of the, of the opposing team from their last game. You're, you're, you're preparing with the best plan possible. And because we have all these specialists, multidisciplinary specialists who've done, who do these things on relatively daily basis, but just not in the combined exit effort, everybody is relatively methodical about it. While you're doing an exit, 
for the baby, uh, while you're trying to obtain the airway for the baby, probably one of the more important aspects of this is to remember that you have two patients on the table. You have a baby that the focus seems to be on, but you have mom. And mom may be the most important one of the two. And the the health and safety of the mom is of paramount importance. And we rely on our maternal fetal medicine specialists and our adult anesthesiologists, or obstetric anesthesiologists, to take care of the mom as we focus on the baby. But taking care of mom is a huge part of this. And so while you're preparing for an exit, you have to also keep in proper perspective the health of the mom. In many instances, this is likely to not be the mom's last pregnancy. And so one metric of outcomes for our exit procedure is that we want to A, protect the mom, the health of the mom, and her fertility, her subsequent fertility. And uh, we've been quite successful with that here at UT Southwestern Children's Health. Right. Well, speaking of that, Dr. Yala Pergada, let me turn to you again. Dr. Schindel was just talking about providing the exit procedure. What makes you unique in providing this procedure in the area? Yeah, great question. I think what makes us so special is our three-prong approach. It really starts with our obstetrics and maternal fetal medicine docs. They're the ones that um, identify the mom, identify the issue in the fetus. They, per, you know, they refer the mom for imaging. They interpret all of that. They put it all together and then present it to uh, the rest of the team, which is neonatology and surgery. And once that is completed, uh, we then, uh, through the Fetal Center or Fetal Evaluation and Treatment Alliance Center here at Children's, we then start the process of putting together a multidisciplinary team to come together and talk about this uh, and come up with a plan. The exit team is led by Dr. Schindel um, and the Fetal Center, and I'm the medical director here, and so my role here was to really bring together the physicians, the social workers, the sort of support staff, the family, everyone together to talk about what the plan is beforehand and then set up anything going forward as far as logistics for the family and for the staff and physicians that are responsible for this going forward. And so I think coming together in in our environment, we have all of the pediatric subspecialists. We have surgical subspecialties and medical subspecialties and a lot of talent um, in our group. And I think we all really work together very well. We communicate really well, and we are really here for the best interests of the of the patients, both mom and baby. And so coming together beforehand, coming up with a plan, and really trying to identify any issues that could be going forward, I think was helpful in this situation as we prepared for this procedure. And putting together a team that is skilled not only on the social, emotional, and logistic aspects, but of course the surgical, postnatal resuscitation, and the neonatal ICU side of it. And as we wrap up, Dr. Schindel, for any physician listening to this, what do you want them most to remember when it comes to the exit procedure? I just think that for those physicians who are caring for um, an expected mother and family who identifies a child with a congenital anomaly of the head, neck, or chest, that they are concerned about the nature of the airway 
are the safety of delivering the baby uh, spontaneously, that we're here to help them. We're, we're here to help uh, them through figure that out. There are some clear indications for an exit procedure, it's, and it's not just having a mass uh, or having some sort of anomaly. The, the indications are, are quite distinct, and uh, we can help them figure that risk out. And then if, in fact, the baby is at risk for an airway issue at birth, then there is a viable mechanism here in North Texas to help them take care of it. Well, Dr. Schindel and Dr. Yala Pragada, this has been really informative. Thanks for your time. You bet. Thank you. That's Dr. David Schindel and Dr. Sushmita Yala Pragada. And thank you for listening to Pediatric Insights. For more information, please visit childrens.com slash exit. That's childrens.com slash exit. And if you found this podcast helpful, please rate and review or share the episode and please follow Children's Health on your social channels.